Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Gridiron Blitz, 320 in the house. And if you haven't tuned in on TuneIn, Googlecast, Player FM, or on the biggest platforms, Apple Podcasts, iHeart, or Spotify, you can always subscribe there. And I really, really appreciate everybody subscribing there. We are just hitting a brand-new mark this week for the last month. I really, really appreciate everybody sharing and letting everybody know about our podcast. And as always, right here on Block Talk Radio. So today we're going to have a big show. Uh, We are going to have a guest in the house. Uh, Shell Tapia of the San Diego Rebellion for 2021, former uh, uh, standout of the Baja California Mexico uh, state team uh, that plays over in Mexico. And we are going to be joined by Mackenzie Brooks talking NFL offseason news and notes here in about uh, 20 minutes. And in the meantime, we are going to have X-League Insider, and that's going to be Nate Ward in the house with me as well. And we're going to be talking NFL offseason notes. Uh, we are going to be talking rosters. Uh, the Atlanta Empire and Denver Rush. We're also going to dive into WFLA news as a lot of players from everywhere, WFA, from WNFC, from WWCFL, everybody kind of migrating over to the WFLA. So there's a lot of uh, players that were named this week, and we kind of tallied that out. Um, You can always follow the WFLA at WFLA underscore football on IG, and you get some of the latest news there as well. You can always go to the hub at facebook.com forward slash gridiron beauties. Get the lowdown of everything that's happening in the women's American football swing of things. The best resource on the planet and the best network on the planet is us at the gridiron beauties on Facebook at the hub. So let's bring in uh, Nate Ward in the house here. Uh, Nate, how's it going today? I'm doing all right. How are you, Oscar? Doing fantastic, Nate. Um, well, you know, we got a lot of things happening, uh, not just in, you know, in terms of the women's game, but over in the NFL. We're getting ready for hopefully a season at this point. X-League should announce by, I think, maybe June 1st if they're going to have a season or not. That's my uh, – some of my sources are telling me by, by June 1st, uh, Mitchell Mortaza will make a decision uh, based on, um, you know, state guidelines, of course. And he, so we'll see if we do have an X-League season. At this point, it looks like we will have one. So uh, it's promising so far. We know the WFA, WNFC, obviously not in the picture anymore. And so um, that's going to be interesting. But if we do have X-League, it uh, should be pretty exciting. We do also have women's football, uh, courtesy of the Women's Football Alliance, and that's on FTF. Uh, on the uh, channel there, including 11 sports. So if you need to go there or understand that, go to the hub at facebook.com. Usually it's going to be Thursdays and Saturdays on Thursdays, and then uh, a couple games on uh, – one game on Saturday, another game, I believe, Thursday or Friday. So they, they, they're switching it up. So you can get it on Roku, get it on pretty much every platform that is available. So you go to the hub and get the details there. And WFA pretty much re – uh, introducing all the top games that they've had last year and previous years before. So they, they're doing like a you know replay of all the games that they were able to do on mm-hmm. live TV. Uh, WNFC this week had 
their championship showdown, their game show showdown, and congratulations to the San Diego Rebellion for winning the showdown against the Utah Falcons. So interesting concept there. Uh, the other thing going on in the women's game is IG, WFLA Live every day, pretty much around 3 p.m. Uh, Pacific time, I think 6 p.m. Eastern. And then uh, WNFC announces the why, the why also at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern. So, Nate, I'm, I'm, this is going neck and neck. We talked about WCW, WWE. This is where we're at in the women's game, too. Yeah, no doubt. We, I mean, we cover that. Um, guess I, my my brain hurts so much. We covered that last week. Um, and yeah, it's <laughs> you know who blinks first at this point. I, I I still stand by what I said. I still stand that I I will leave uh, WFLA when I see it. That. I keep listening and I I keep hearing all these promises and it's like, you know, at this point, you know, dare I say it, she's the female version of Mitch Mortaza. Well, you know what? We'll see. um, As as far as I know, um, with the details that we know, um, you know, they have a lot of uh, background branding in terms of what Mm -hmm. they're doing in the background. You know, they're, they're trying to launch an IPO to supplement right. the Sheba Beverage Company brand. The brand itself has subsidiaries under the brand right now currently. So that's, I'm assuming that's the one way they're going to pay the players. they got to have some sort of subsidiaries to do things. I know in one of those subsidiaries, right. it's Brandy Yay, which is a clothing um, manufacturer. So maybe they're not going with Riddell in the traditional football sense in terms of unis because they bought a company that will obviously produce the uniforms. So that's my understanding right now. So, and then they had, uh, I think, uh, a betting site uh, that they're working on. They're working on a dating platform app. Um, So there's a lot of things in the works from what I'm being told from my sources because we've asked the commissioner of the WFLA. I've emailed him to come on so he can answer some questions. I've emailed Lupe Rose many of times, and she's not, not responded to our request. So uh, at this point, I've sort of like already invited both of them, even on the air. They're welcome to contact me, you know, and set up an interview. Yep. You can go to IG at Gridiron Beauties and um, just direct message me there and we can set it up. Um, so at this point, they're kind of reserved to what they're doing. And their only platform is, you know, a weekly, uh, you know, reality sort of radio show type on IG where they're spotlighting a lot of the players' stories about, you know, where they came from and how they're, you know, going to, you know, be inspired. And they're hopeful that the WFLA will kick off and, as promised, pay the players. So that's really where we stand right now. So there's a lot of players really migrating uh, to the WFLA. Um, There's uh, a lot of players from the WFA, the WNFC, uh, even some players from Canada now coming over. And then we had Mm -hmm. the nine players from Guam that are committed to coming over. So internationally, they are recruiting for players to come over. I'm pretty sure they're probably going to have to situate some of the visas and everything else for the international players. But it sounds like, you know, to her point, you know, wait and see. So we're at the situation where we're still in a recruitment mode. We don't have football logistics to our knowledge yet. Uh, we are supposed to have a combine in July, and then we are supposed to have a uh, draft in August. 
that's where we stand. So mm-hmm. a couple of notable players that were acquired this week. Uh, shout out to Amanda Ewers, our Georgia football athlete from Gridiron, Queensland. And she's going to be heading to Denver. Um, there's Bree W. from uh, Canada as well from the WCFL. Lisa Gomes, WWCFL. They're going to be going to the Denver Gold Rush. Uh, Hannah McGowan, uh, one of the top you know, uh, athletes, young athletes out in uh, up north. Um, the other players with Jessica Jones, formerly of the Denver Dream, now going to the Atlanta Amazons. Jessica Reese from the Sin City Trojans, going over the Dallas Diamonds. Phaedra Cardwell, the, uh, the Diamonds, uh, the Fames, uh, Jacqueline Butler, uh, including the nine players off the Guam team. And then the Tritons, Jen Jones as well. And then big news, Nate, um, Tamika Dixon former WNBA All-Star and champion, has committed to be the owner of the New Jersey, I believe it's called the New Jersey Dames. Yeah, um, that was, that was big, big news for them. I think that's, that's a, that's a big pull. And like you said, you know, they're, they're coming in from around the globe. They're getting a lot of great free agents and ownership. My thing is, is I, I wish them nothing but the best of luck. They're all stellar athletes, obviously. A couple of them, you know, no-joke football athletes. My big thing is is that whole overhang of wait and see. Um, and we've seen it with a lot of men's leagues, too. There, There's no denying that. What I would mm-hmm. like to see is more forefront, more, you know, here's what we're doing, here's what's going to happen, this is definitive, because I would love – to see these girls succeed and have the success that they are being promised and not have this be the next faltered XFL or the next UFL or any other league that we can think of that ended up either starting or not even happening at all and all these players left hanging. Yeah, my understanding is everybody's got a um, letter of intent. So there is no actual contract deal. Every player has a letter of intent. So I'm assuming as soon as, you know, the IPO rides, uh, as soon as the structure is put in place with the owners, and, I mean, there's a lot of the logistics behind the background that we don't know about. There's a lot of deals mm-hmm. probably happening that we're not aware of. Uh, but the players That's fair. have yeah. all been given letters of intent from each franchise. So my understanding, you know, the owners and the coaches, uh, and some, some franchises that already have coaches in place, they just haven't named them. But some of the some of the owners and the coaches have already set up some sort of motion. So I'm assuming as That's fair. Um, COVID-19 states open up and you're able to practice outside and do all the, all these activities, right. uh, I'm assuming some of these players will start to commit or maybe do their commitments. Um, I know from speaking to some players, um, you know, the attitude, Nate, is show me the money and I'm headed over there. <laughs> some players are still like you, like it's right. kind of like, okay. You know, but showing the money, and I'm moving across country. You know, moving to Los Angeles from Texas, moving from you know from Denver to Atlanta. But you got to show me the money. You know, sign and delivered, as they say. So I don't know if that's happening or not, but I know every player has got has a letter of intent, from my understanding. Then that's that that is a good step in the right direction. Um, letters of intent are are always a huge step. That that's that's a big hurdle, and I, I think. You know, I, I don't like, I mean, kind of the mentality, but I, I, I don't like, you know, the, the show me the money attitude. I think I think we saw where that 
kind of dropped, you know, the the LFL on its head and where they went to a, you know, a, a no pay policy. I mean, I think, I think in the beginning, I think there was that mindset that things were going to happen. I know, I know Mitch has had his flaws definitely, but I think, you know, when we heard, you know, that they were starting to ask full on about pay and then all of a sudden it got changed because, Oh, that was your mentality. Well, you know, if you're getting the opportunity, you're told at some point that you're going to get paid at the, at the onset that you have. And like in this case, they do have letters of intent. I know when LFL first started, they didn't have that, but if you're brought in with a letter of intent and there's payment there, you should take that as a good sign and not try to push more saying, well, I want to see this upright. It'll come. You need the growth first. You need the support and you need the backbone. Like you said, there's things happening in the background. And as long as those things line up, it will happen. But don't start to try to burn your bridge and try to push for what's coming to you eventually and try to get it all up front. It never turns out well. So currently there's like over 700 players that the WFLA has already uh, given letters of intent. That's my understanding at this point. Um, So there's over 700 players. So you know what? The the opportunity is there. This is what we wanted all along anyways. This is what every, every league has aspired to. Um, you know, hats off to, to Lupe and the franchises and the owners and to the commissioner, um, you know, for their laboring that they're doing now. Like I said, all of us are skeptical because of the fact that this has never been done in the history of women's tackle football, right? The monetary factor. So right. to her well, point, and, and also be- this is being done differently, in other words. So this is, it's going to yeah. be interesting. Well, that and I, I was going to say that, and also because of what happened with the Super Bowl week fiasco and the suspicion behind that. So there's 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 a couple of wonky things there, but this is, you are correct. This is what we've wanted all along: a paid plan and a paid format needs to show it can succeed. Seven hundred players with yeah, letters and, of intent—that is huge. Yeah, that's it, and that's what I'm saying. It's like the, all of the positives are are going forward. I mean, we've, we, we've been highly critical of everything because we should be highly critical, right, until, right. until the, the first ball hits the field, until we get logistics in place and we have fans and we have intake, uh, we're going to be skeptical, of course, just like anything else. Um, but at the same time, you know, we are hoping that, crossing your fingers, that this will ride in a positive way because uh, these girls are going to get paid. And uh, obviously the girls getting paid is what our ultimate wish was you know, for all of us in, in involved in the sport is to to make sure these athletes get what they deserve, which is fair compensation, fair sponsorships, things, you know, that the NFL has afforded the men's, uh, you know, uh, aspect of it. So uh, at right. this point, you know, we just got to, like, sit sit and wait and just report on what is uh, unraveling. And hopefully, you know, like I said, the combine is going to be really big from what I hear on uh, July 18th, the uh, draft should be another stellar draft. The first one was pretty exciting. Now this one, everybody knows about it. So maybe there it's going to be bigger. And then we're all anticipating yep. obviously May 5th of 2021 at the Los Angeles Coliseum as the Fames will take on the Dallas Diamonds. So that's going to be the inaugural matchup. So that's pretty, pretty, pretty awesome to do there. Um, the X, the X league, I think, I think at this point, if it's the only thing that will ride this year, uh, will you think, Nate, that's going to get it more attention, more fanfare, especially with the rebranding? If they do have, even if they, you know, even if they had a three game, you know, two, ga- two, two game per team or something like that, 
Yeah, so like as we saw, you know, one home, one away for regular season and intent of having a, a, a full-ish playoff format if it stays the same as it was for many LFL here. You know, you know as well as I do that if there's the chance that if they're the only football in town, if they're the only, you know, the only big focus in town, that Mitch will take the opportunity and will push them out there regardless of the situation around it and have them play. And I do feel, I mean, you have established franchises, obviously, like Seattle. There may be some fluctuation because of name changes and concept changes, but I definitely feel that the the fans would show up because they they want football, they want sports. And if you're one of only two big things going on, they will come. All right. So let's go into the huddle. Sponsored by Zazzle.com. Zazzle, you can go there, 15% off at Zazzle.com for slash Cranberries at the No Joke Football Shop. Get everything there. I appreciate everybody going there and getting their stuff. Nate, I believe you got your shirt as well. So pretty yep. cool uh, No Joke Football shirt. So go there, 15% off at Zazzle.com for slash Cranberries. Let's go into the huddle, and we're going to be talking to the, the beautiful and talented Itzel Tapia of the San Diego Rebellion and formerly of the Baja California now, state team over in Mexico. Isel, ¿cómo estás hoy? Hola, bien, aquí estamos. ¿Cómo estás, Isel, hoy? Hasta, ¿Cómo estás en el, en el estado de COVID-19? Eh, bien, pues, aquí en casa, cuidándonos. ¿Estás entrenando? ¿Qué es, qué es lo, lo que estás haciendo? ¿Estabas haciendo actividades? Sí, estamos entrenando los lunes, miércoles y viernes a las seis de la mañana eh, a través de la aplicación de Zoom. Entonces estamos haciendo acondicionamiento físico, eh, un poco de pesas para prepararnos para la siguiente temporada en el 2021. La movida para, para Estados Unidos y para ser parte del, de la rebelión de San Diego, que eh, ¿Qué decisión hiciste? Porque estabas uh, en México y estabas, jugaste con la con el equipo de, el, del estado pues de Baja California también, pero estabas jugando fútbol en, en México, ¿no? Sí, eh, también juego o sea, en Baja California, hasta aquí pues, la, en la frontera con San Diego. Eh, yo empecé entrenando aquí con Baja y después estuve un poco de tiempo en, con México. Entonces, eh, me llegó una oportunidad de poder entrenar con este equipo, San Diego Rebellion. Entonces, fui a hacer trials y pues me dijeron eh, que estaban interesados en, en mí. Y les mandé videos de mí jugando. Entonces, así fue como ellos eh, me, con, me contrataron. Y este, pues se me dio la oportunidad de, de jugar en este equipo y pues estar también en la WNFC. ¿Y se le quedado deportes has jugado? ¿Has jugado rugby? ¿Has jugado fútbol? ¿O, o, qué, o este tocho? O qué, ¿Qué clase de deportes has jugado antes de fútbol americano? Uh, pues de hecho apenas tengo un año jugando americano, pero anteriormente a eso ya tenía experiencia en nacionales y demás, eh, pero en otro deporte ajá, jugué voleibol más de 10 años, estuve en la selección uh -huh. de baja y también eh, con México, también estuve. Este, jugando voleibol de sala. Este, uno de otros deportes que jugué también fue atletismo. También era 
Eh, estuve un tiempo en atletismo, en voleibol, estaba un poquito de todo, tenis también. Eh, también estuve un tiempo en fútbol, en soccer. Este, y pues finalmente aquí andamos en el americano. ¿Qué te, qué te gustó del de la fútbol americano aparte de los demás? Porque en voleibol... Uh, es es intenso también, pero no, es es muy diferente, ¿verdad? Los dos deportes. Sí, totalmente. O sea, nada que ver a, a lo que yo jugaba, a voleibol, ¿no? Es un deporte totalmente de contacto, es muy físico. Y este, lo que me gustó mucho fue la adrenalina en los juegos. O sea, es una pasión, una adrenalina en cada juego que la verdad no lo había experimentado en otros deportes. Cuando por fin jugué mi primer juego en, en el americano, pude sentir esa eh, adrenalina y pasión y dije, no hombre, de aquí soy. Y pues aquí seguimos. O sea, me, me gusta muchísimo de que puedo transmitir toda esa energía que tengo pues en mí y lo puedo transmitir en los juegos. Y es una de las cosas que más me gusta del americano. Michelle, ¿estás cruzando la frontera? ¿Estás, vivi ¿Estás viviendo todavía en Baja California o estás este, ya viviendo acá en San Diego? No, vivo aquí yo en Tijuana, en Baja California. Tengo que cruzar todos los días. Eh, alrededor algo como de dos horas y media, tres, dependiendo del tráfico, allá uh -huh. este, a donde entrenamos. Pero tengo que estar cruzándolo este, todos los días en lo que pues arreglan eso para que ya pueda vivir allá. So vas a estar este residencia en México, pero vas a venir a, a, a entrenamiento en los estados con, entre semana, pues eso es lo que haces, ¿eh? Sí, ajá, tengo que estar cruzando todos los días a, a San Diego para poder ir a, a entrenar. Entonces, sí, hago como dos, tres horas de, de camino. Uh, Isel, ¿cómo, está, ¿cómo te contactaste con Nenji. Nenji es uh, una uh, una jugadora le de leyenda en este juego en los Estados Unidos. Sí. Uh, ha tenido mucho mucho que ver con la evaluación de la liga de la WNC y también con el equipo de San Diego siendo un equipo este en, you know, en el primer año que tuvo mucho este um, muchas cosas buenas para en el en el campo aparte también en el, en el estado de televisión y en Facebook Live y todo eso, so, uh, ¿cómo, cómo te cómo te cómo te cómo te la impresión pues de de, de Nenji Martin? Uh, yo recibí un correo eh, hace poco no no tiene mucho que recibí un correo de parte de ellos el cual me pareció pues muy extraño, entonces yo revisé pues el correo y me, me informé más y pues era de, de, del, del equipo de San Diego, entonces eh, yo me contacté con ella, luego luego le respondí que pues sí me interesaba eh, ir a las trials allá con ellos, entonces me dijo mándame tus datos, mándame unos eh, videos, unos, eh, unos videos tuyos jugando para verte y así, entonces eh, pues yo se lo envié y así fue como ella me dijo, ¿sabes qué? Eh, ven tal día, a tal hora, te espera aquí y para hacerte unas pruebas y pues este, ver si te interesa jugar con nosotras. Entonces, eh, pues se dio la fecha, fui allá y desafortunadamente ese día estaba lloviendo y me acuerdo que cancelaron el entrenamiento donde yo iba a hacer las pruebas. Pero, este, eh, 
este, me dijo, ¿sabes qué? No vamos a poder hacer este, las pruebas, pero me gustan tus videos. Entonces, eh, pues me, me gustaría que entrenes con nosotras y así. Y entonces, así fue como yo me pude contactar con ella. O sea, realmente fue de sorpresa, no lo esperaba. Eh, pues recibí un correo de parte de ellos. No sé si a lo mejor eh, miraron algo sobre mí o algo así. Y así fue como yo la conocí a ella realmente. All right. So, ¿tien, ¿has tenido buena experiencia con, con el equipo hasta este punto? Sí, claro que sí, totalmente. Es este, desde que entré fui súper bien recibida. Este, es un equipo muy disciplinado. Eh, me gusta mucho su actitud de cada una, te transmiten buena energía, entonces me gusta mucho eh, la energía que se transmite en todo el equipo, o sea, siempre son positivas, te ayudan mucho y siempre están viendo la manera de crecer más como jugadoras y como equipo profesionalmente. Y Shell, este, hace, uh, ¿hablas el, el inglés también o estás practicando o ¿Qué es el estado de tu inglés para comunicación? Uh, bueno, mi inglés aún no estoy practicando en eso porque uh -huh. te lo entiendo perfectamente, te lo entiendo muy bien. Este Es algo en lo que yo sí me dijeron que tengo que estar trabajando mucho en mi inglés porque uh, lo entiendo perfectamente, pero tiene que ser muy fluido, entonces las jugadas y todo eso, de hecho me las tengo que estar aprendiendo muchísimo para captarlas durante los juegos este, uh -huh. pero estamos trabajando en eso y, y pues ahí vamos so, se supone que es algo de um, que vas a tener que um, ponerte uno, más un, un esfuerzo um, ¿qué posición eh, tienen pensado uh, a utilizarte? Uh, wide receiver Oh, wide receiver. So, tienes talento yeah. de, de atleta muy bien. Entonces, uh, ¿cómo están las manos? ¿Estás practicando para el balón y los, todas las cosas que se tienen que hacer, los, los routes y todo eso? ¿Tienes experiencia en eso o estás, eres nueva en, es, en esa posición, digo? Uh, sí, pues gracias a Dios. Este, por decirte que me dio un talento nato en esa parte. Este, uh -huh. acá en el juego donde, acá en México, pues también juego esta posición y mis entrenadores aquí de México, eh, pues la verdad me entrenaron muy bien y pues hasta la fecha me sigo capacitando, entrenando, miro videos, técnica y todo eso y este y la verdad, me, o sea, estoy muy confiada, o sea, me confío mucho en cuanto agarro el balón como te digo, o sea, tengo una adrenalina en el juego donde pues no te importa eh, eh, lo que pasa alrededor, siempre estás concentrada y me apasiona muchísimo. Entonces, eh, pues sí, gracias a Dios tengo esa habilidad en las manos de que cacho pues el 90% de las pelotas, de, las, de, la, de los balones que me mandan. Entonces, eh, pues gracias a Dios se me da esa posición. Y pues aparte, como anteriormente, este era practicaba atletismo eh, soy muy rápida entonces pues que me dan las dos combinaciones de ser rápida y cachar las las pelotas uh, Ichel, 
¿qué piensas en el deporte, el, creci el crecimiento del deporte en México? Hemos tenido ya uh, muchas, uh, ya como tres años en el uh, femenil nacional, uh, viene siendo las regiones, en, dif en diferentes regiones y también eh, un nacional. So, el crecimiento del deporte en México para mujeres ha, cre ha crecido muy grande y es este es una cosa de que eh, está mirando el mundo también especialmente con el, el bronce que ganó el, el equipo nacional en, en Canadá sí eh, la verdad está creciendo eh, bastante este último año el nacional pasado fue en Monterrey en México este fue el nacional y ahí fue donde tuve eh, pues mi primera experiencia entonces este, yo desconocía el americano femenino incluso porque aquí en Baja California no es muy común este deporte de fútbol americano femenino. Se conoce mucho lo que es el flag eh, femenino. Sí, sí, el pero tocho, americano ¿verdad? No... ¿Perdón? El tocho, digo. Es muy grande en la Baja sí, California. Ajá, sí, eh, sí se conoce mucho en femenino, pero el americano como tal, pues no. Entonces, hasta el año pasado que fuimos al Nacional y tuvimos muy buenos resultados, este que fue como que varias personas y varias mujeres empezaron a, a preguntar y pues se interesaron más en ese deporte. Y pues como aquí eh, somos frontera, eh, pues en Estados Unidos se conoce un poco más el americano femenino. Entonces, ha pegado muchísimo eh, lo que es este último año. Entonces, de hecho, el año que viene, en 2021, es el mundial aquí en eh, el mundial. Entonces, pues estamos, aún a pesar de la cuarentena, nos estamos preparando físicamente para pues, estar listas eh, e ir con todo al, al mundial. So, este, Ichiel, ¿tienes este, pensado este, hacer competencia para estar en, en, el, uh, en el equipo nacional? ¿Es, ¿Es algo para ti, para el, para el futuro? Eh, sí, es algo que eh, pues nos hemos estado preparando desde que inició el, el, el año. Si me lo permite mi equipo acá en San Diego Rebellion, eh, si están la, eh, las posibilidades, sí podría eh, jugar eh, para representar a, a mi país um, en México, en el Mundial. Y la verdad uh -huh. que pues nos seguimos preparando. Eh, me parece que si todo esto termina en lo de la cuarentena, en agosto empezamos a entrenar ya físicamente en tanto en México como en San Diego también. Ah, Isil, gracias por venir a, a hacer conversación con nosotros y queremos saber algo de tu este estado con el equipo. Y San Diego ha jugado muy bien el primer año y la organización, como dijiste tú, con Nengi y, y hasta Katie también han tenido buenos resultados ellos también y es, ha sido una un equipo este muy prevenente en la WNFC que en año 2 en este año esperábamos que iban a ser más este you know, bueno de lo que hicieron el año anterior so gracias por hacer el tiempo este te vamos a estar a, mirando y a, a, al tanto y si a, empieza el, el, 20, el 2021 si estás a, a frente es a otra entrevista durante la temporada, a ver cómo está el estado de la rebelión de San Diego. Sí, claro que sí, es un gusto hablar contigo y claro, estamos al pendiente, seguimos entrenando y echándole muchísimas ganas a, aquí al americano y a darle con todo. Gracias, Ichela, tengo buen este, caminos allá este, y estar a, a, a muy este, 
cerrada ahí con el COVID-19, quedarte bien, buen salud para no tener algo grave, uh, pero esperando que tengas una buena temporada en el 2021 con San Diego. Muchas gracias. Adiós. All right, uh, Nate, I was just talking to uh, Ichel, um Tapia, and she a uh, journeywoman from uh, Tijuana, Baja California, and she's commuting from Baja California to uh, train with San Diego Rebellion because she wants to be part of the WNFC. And uh, she's actually looking forward to see if she's able to train and get on the Mexican national team for the next world championship. So really interesting story. She's very athletic. Um, she played volleyball. She played track. Um, she's wow. going to be used as wide receiver. So um, Nenji Martin and Katie Ott sort of found a you know a really good athlete down there. So we'll see um, how our journey evolves in terms of 2021. But uh, really, really uh, awesome uh, athlete. And it was uh, sent over to me by someone else to, to try to interview her. She's very young, very uh, hungry. And I think she's going to be a great asset to the San Diego Rebellion for the next season. Looking forward to seeing how she does. That's that's an incredible journey. So we got the the salty one in the house. Uh, salty zoomed out already and zoomed in here. Just the way it works. With the no, oh man. Ugh. You know, in these times of uh, COVID nineteen and uh, you know social distancing, that seems to be the the uh, the fad and the theme running these days is. Let's have a Zoom meeting. Okay, great. But let's not tell me about this Zoom meeting two and a half hours before I have something else to do. You know, but it's cool. I'm here. Let's be salty. What's up, guys? How we doing? So, Mackenzie, it's great that you are able to adjust, flip over, and execute. That is what it's all about. That's Matt's skill. That's Matt's skill. That's what it is. (laughs) That's what you got to (laughs) do. It's like the running back goes down, right, Uh, Mackenzie? The running back goes down, and then they go, uh, Mackenzie, can you fill in at running back? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's pretty much how it goes, Oscar. I mean, you know me well. Woman, you're, you, know do Iron, you do Iron Woman football, so this Zoom thing shouldn't be a big deal. It's just like you just, you know, adjust and move. You know, it's it's really not once it's planned out, like when it's actually sure. planned out. Today wasn't quite that, but, you know, we got to, you know, adapt and overcome. So that's what I did, and we're here now. Let's let's talk football, fellas. What's up? All right. Uh, so, um, Mackenzie, Achel, Tapia, man, great addition to the San Diego Rebellion. Speed, from what we hear, good hands. Um, so, Nenji just should be ecstatic there uh, once she evolves. She's trying to learn uh, English right now because she's dominant Spanish. And um, so, at this point, once she gets going and learns the, the playbook and then – she could be a weapon that could, and a name that we could be watching out for in 2021. Yeah, you know, Minji loves fresh talent. Minji loves being able to, you know, work with the natural abilities that, you know, they get down there in, in, with the California team. So it's going to be great to see how they turn this young star into a, you know, an even better star. Because, I, I mean, I've done, I've done my research about, about her, and she's – She's very, very athletic. Holy cow. She is a lot like I am. Journey woman, journey player. I mean, she's got a lot of fire and passion. So, and that's, that's what, you know, the WNFC and, you know, all, all the active women's tackle leagues, um, even, you know, even uh, continent-wide, nationwide, 
things of that nature. That's what we pride ourselves on is, you know, the passion and love that we have for the sport of football. And, you know, especially being down there in, Cal- in you know, in the Sunshine State, Golden Golden State, down there in California, it's, it's gonna be it's gonna be awesome to see how they transform her, you know, into an all around player because I, that's a, I'm pretty sure that's exactly what she's gonna be once, you know, she she gets um, once she gets back She has to. She lives in Tijuana, which is the uh, right across the border from San Diego. So she's commuting every day from Mexico over to the states for training. So you know, there's a there's Jeez. a passion and devotion to be part of the roster. You know what I mean? She really wants to be part of the roster. Yes. Um, so that hats off to her for making that sacrifice and keeping it real. And um, like I said, Nengi's got a, somebody that they can mold and fine-tune. It could be a weapon for them as an advantage. All right. Um, let's see here. Um, Mackenzie, Tom Brady comes out and says that his coordinator, hey, we're all good, all these rumors that we're not good, you know, just – shove it under the rug because none of that's true. So you just clear the air, let him know everything's good. He moves to Tampa. His offense coordinator stays in, in New England, and there's nothing there. Yeah, you know, and like I said, kind of like I said, you know, before and last week as well, it's just, you know, people are looking for content to to, have, to be had at this point. You know, there's not, I mean, there's not a lot of sports Life sports are really much of sports happening right now, um, per se, as far as, you know, the media streams are concerned. So I feel like that's exactly what this was. And I'm glad TV 12, you know, cleared it up. Like, we, there's nothing going on. I'm, I'm now in Tampa Bay. You know, his coordinator is still over, you know, still over there in, in New England. So I'm, and I'm not, not really sure why, you know, there would even be a problem, at, you know, at this point. Like I said, I think people are just looking for content. And that's kind of what they've gotten, but they don't need to do it on their false pretenses. All right. Um, let's talk about the uh, basically overscope of the off season. Let's, let's go into report cards basically for the off season. So uh, one of the surprise teams that did really well in free agency and really well in the trade um, in terms of the draft, in other words, drafting and trading, uh, Arizona uh, really upgraded a lot of things for Kyler Murray. So you bring in DeAndre Hopkins, salty, <laughs> to add to Larry Fitzgerald and Kenyon Drake. Uh, I, I guess uh, he's got to be feeling good. <laughs> you know, if I'm Kyler Murray, I'm still on a little bit of a high from last year, you know, inevitably being rookie, you know, getting that co-rookie of the year award and, you know, um, having – Kingsbury down there, which is somebody who's he's already, you know, he was already used to being his coach. So it's, you know, it's Arizona's going to be tough to beat this year. I mean, I just, it really, it really is. You know, I'm just, it's, yeah, <laughs> it's going to be interesting. Football this season, as we know it, is going to be very, uh, very interesting. And I'm kind of excited to, uh, to see it, to be honest. I mean, Kenyon Drake, is, is a world-class athlete in his own. And, I mean, obviously, Larry Fitzgerald is the GOAT, you know, as far as being down there in Arizona. Man, I just – yikes. We could see a <laughs> revival of the uh, Kurt Warner season. You know what I mean? You got Fitzgerald and Hopkins, barring any injuries. I mean, we could see that. I mean, if, if Murray just does the pocketing like Kurt Warner did, 
we could see a revival of the of, of that type of team where offensively they're just going to be very uh, very good for the West. I mean, San Francisco has got to watch out. L.A.'s kind of in disarray right now. We have no idea where that's going to happen. The Seattle, we have no idea at this point where Seattle's, you know, is going to really stand out. I mean, they got Russell and everybody else, but there's still issues there. So if anything, I mean, this draft right now on the West, in terms of that, they pick up linebacker Isaiah Simmons on top of that, and then they get uh, I think Josh Jones in the third round. So on the defensive side of the ball, they also upgraded offensively. They just <laughs> you add Hopkins and that just to the legend Fitzgerald. I mean, they just this is this is a really good Arizona team if everything gels right for them. Yeah, it, like I said, it's going to be – Arizona's not going to be easy to get through. I don't care what anybody says. Arizona is going to be very hard to get through. The only thing that's going to kind of uh, stump Arizona is really Arizona themselves. The, I really feel like the only way that they're going to, they're going to be beaten is them beating themselves. Um, I mean, they've got a solid offensive line. You know they've been they've been adding to the offensive line, which is good, um, especially with a young quarterback like Kyler Kyler Murray. But you also have to take into consideration Kyler Murray is not a typical human being at with any like any speck of the imagination. Kyler Murray is one of those generational athletes that you find who is good at damn near everything he does. I mean, baseball, football. He hooped a little bit. I mean. You know, and he's he's one of I think three or four NFL players who was drafted in in the first rounds of both the MLB draft and uh, the NFL draft as well. So, <laughs> I mean that that right there gives you enough respect, you know. And then and also just seeing what uh, you know, seeing what how he played uh, that senior season of his um, in Oklahoma, you know, giving them another Big Twelve championship, adding to you know um, Lincoln Riley's crazy numerous array of, uh, you know, Big Ten or Big 12 championships, I should say. So it's going to be interesting to see what, what uh, Kingsbury does with all those weapons he's now got. All right. Uh, you know what, McKenzie, they they just – they have put themselves now on a, you know, a radar mentality for the West. So that's what I'm saying. It's like they've got all these, all these, all these pieces together. If they can put it together, they're going to be very relevant. Uh, Nate, what do we say of the wonderful Cleveland Browns? They were really good winners last year, Karen Hunt. I mean, Kareem Hunt, Odell Beckham Jr., we thought, you know, all this stuff was going to come up. It was going to be the great revival of, you know, Browns land. Uh, we got Kelly Branson who's going to the Browns. Maybe she can help out here. But uh, their biggest weakness last, last season was inconsistent offense, and everybody was going, hey, we got – this is, is going to be an awesome offense, and we, we got duds for an offense. takes more than one season for people to connect. I wish fans would understand that as much as we as, you know, we as football analysts and football insiders knew. But, you know, I, I was looking over the report here about how, you know, they aced everything with the draft and the trade. And I, you know, it says right there, yeah, their biggest weakness was an inconsistent offensive line. I don't think it was inconsistent. I think it just needed to find a way to gel. And we saw as the season progressed – Regardless of when to lose, they were starting to find that momentum. They're finding it, starting to find those pieces. Now they bring in Jack Conklin and one of the Alabama tackles, Jedrick Wills. Um, I, I think they've got that. I think as we start to see the first couple weeks of the season, regardless of 
the length of the season or whatnot, I think as we start to begin that season, that will set up a routine and get in that that flow that by the regular season, we should see a different Cleveland Browns team than we did the last couple of years. It's, you know, it's a ladder, it's a climb, but they will, they will get there and they do have success in their immediate future. Nate, will they stick with a coach, uh, with the coach here? Because their, their patience is always thin with coaches. They don't give them more than a, a year or two. So is Kevin Stefanski here? Will be on the chopping block next year, or you think they're going to give him, you know, a, a two-year, three-year plan? Because this is bring Cleveland's recycled mode with coaches. They just don't give them an opportunity, like you said, to kind of start to build their what they want to put together. And they get a little bit restless at some point, and they remove coaches, and here we are, brand new cycle starts, and everything starts. It's it's just a a sad state of affairs in terms of, of the front office. They have this tendency to just panic too early and not let things kind of evolve over a year or two or three, it's going to take more, you know, it's going to take at least a three year mark for a coach to really dive in with, with one or two drafts for them to excel. Yeah. And I think, I think that, I think that stems two ways. I think that stems, that's, that's front office and that's uh, fans frustration. And, you know, I, I think there's a lot of people with a long, long droughts that can, that can test to that. But, at the same time, I think they're they're putting the pieces together on the field, team wise, offense, defense, this year and in the next year. They need to keep that consistency at the head coach, and even, not even just the head coach, the coaching staff as a whole. They need to keep that connected, keep that together. Two years. I'm I'm going to say this right now, and we can come back in two seasons. And if they've made any changes, any gaps, and they have not succeeded anywhere, unless I told you so. They need to stick two years and prove they can let them have time to grow and succeed. If they don't, then you know what? It's the Cleveland way and they have no hope. Yeah, I I think that's the point there. It's like they don't give themselves enough to kind of evolve on it. They got talent. I mean, they got – I mean, Beckham is a talent. Everybody's got talent. Absolutely. They don't do it. Um, Mackenzie, what do we say of the damn Cowboys? What are we doing here? So – I mean, the trade wasn't too great. The draft was pretty good. Uh, so you, you, you were able to reach a long-term agreement with your boy, Prescott. And obviously, obviously, you also locked up Amari Cooper. So offensively, it should be good. Uh, you did lose Robert Quinn. And I, I think you picked up uh, Poe and, and um, Clinton Dix. Pieces going on. And you get the great Andy Dalton on top of all that. Oh God! Ugh. You know I can't. I love my Cowboys, but I really do. These two for last. Like that's what it is. But I'll say this: I'm not too entirely upset about how we did with the draft and offseason picks. I mean, we got C.D. Lamb, and then you know uh, to uh, replace Robert Quinn. You know now we have uh, Neville Gallimore, who also came from Oklahoma. So, I mean, Gallimore and even though Gallimore and uh, CD Lamb played on opposite sides of the ball, they, you know, they already have that team camaraderie because they've been, they've been at Oklahoma together for the past three, four years. So, um, it, it's, I think it's going to be interesting to see what, what my defensive coordinator does with, with everything. Um, it's going to be You're interesting. You're not scared of the rest kind of hoping we're Redskins have improved no. with, with Rivera. You know what I mean? There's a, a couple pieces there. I mean, and, could could well, be much yeah, improved. 
then that's just, the same could be said about Dallas. I mean, Mike McCarthy was a former, you know, was the former Green Bay Packers, um, you know, head coach in OC, and mm-hmm. we've seen what he what he does with average quarterbacks. He's well, hell, look at Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers was not anything to write home about until he got, you know, until he got under the wing of Mike McCarthy. Now, you know, now Aaron Rodgers is known as like Goat 2.0, or you know, up there in the you know top the top echelon of quarterbacks. Um, in the NFL and in history, so that's why I'm I'm not super worried about uh, what we're going to do on offensively on the ball because of Mike McCarthy and because of the pieces we have. And I, to be honest, I really think Dak is going to just, you know, he got his, you, you know, the deal that he wanted wasn't quite all the way, but he got a deal. He's got a long term. Um, they lock, you know, they locked up uh, Amari Cooper, C.D. Lamb's there. I mean, <laughs> like, there's really no excuse. At this point, people now need to start playing like, you know, like they have something to, to get to. You know, obviously the goal is to win the Super Bowl. But I think for Dallas at this point, it's to at least get past the second the second round of the playoffs. No, I agree. I think a, a new era, basically, is that that's your point. We've got a new era in coaching. got some good pieces put together. If he can do what he did in, in, um, in uh, Green Bay, uh, Dallas is much improved, of course. And – the NFC East is way weaker than the North would be. So there's an opportunity for you guys to just stand stand out on, in terms of the whole division. Yeah, it's going to be it's it's, it's going to be interesting. Like I said, we always, you know, Dallas always seems to to do well in games that we are not supposed to. And then Dallas also is Dallas where they lose games that we shouldn't lose or make mistakes that cost us the game or, you know, or some small frivolous uh, silly thing that ends up and inevitably ends up costing us, you know, a win. So, um, I mean, if I had to pick, I, I would probably say with the new pieces of offense and the new head coach that we have, depending on how quickly people decide that they want to try to adapt or, you know, try to buy into what Mike McCarthy is giving us as far as being the head coach. I would say, I would say at best 11 and five worst eight and eight, obviously. I'm going to give you nine and six because I think Rivera is going to be a kind of thorn at your side. I would eat nine, no, nine and six. Not happening. 10 and seven. Absolutely not. Mm-mm. Okay. No, nah. I'm just, that's my, that's me, but. I'm a Ram fan, no, so I don't fine, know anything about beef. Yeah. <laughs> I also I I, I got to know with the fact that McCarthy is coming in and there's new leadership coming in. Are, are we dead set that Prescott will start, or do we see competition from Dalton in the lead up to the season? There's definitely going to be competition. To be honest, I think them adding, you know, adding Andy Dalton as his presumptuous uh, backup right now is going to light a fire underneath Dak. I mean, and, and it's not like Dak doesn't work hard. It's not like he's not, you know, had to fight for his spot. But he knows right. that, you know, they brought in Andy Dalton for a reason other than the fact that Cooper, that they, well, they weren't going to retain Cooper Rush's contract. Um, and Andy Dalton knows how to get through the playoffs. Andy Dalton knows how to almost get to a Super Bowl. So, I, and I feel like, I feel like Dallas was unintentionally throwing a shot at Dak saying, hey, like, this is your new backup. He has experience. You know, this is your fourth year. Andy Dalton's been in the league for nine years. A long time. I think thereabouts, yeah. 
yeah, nine, ten years almost. So, you know, he's got that veteranship that Jerry Jones, you know, and, and Stephen Jones in, in the, the front office of, of the Dallas Cowboys are looking for. But Jerry Jones is also one of those one of those kinds of owners um, who is very loyal to, you know, you were here first, you've been through some of the trenches, you know, I still want to give you a chance kind of thing. But there's also – you know, that time and place, like, you know, we got to start stepping it up. And I think that that time is now, now that Dak is out of his rookie contract and out of his, you know, out of his freshman, sophomore, junior seasons of the NFL. So um, I think that he's been around now that he's been around for, you know, three, four years right now, him and Zeke, him and Zeke especially need to get back to what they were doing his rookie season, but it needs to be more refined. It needs to look like they're veteran players in the league. They need to both show that, you know, hey, we're Dallas, we're the Dallas Cowboys, and, you know, we can play ball too. Like, we are America's team, and America's team is known for playing tough football. The past couple seasons, in my opinion, have not been tough football. We've had glimpses and, 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 you know, glimmers of tough football on the offensive side, but it's time to step it up. And I mean, and I'm, you both know me, like I am a realistic football fan. I'm a player, played the game since I was, you know, young. And I'm, I'm probably the hardest on myself, like I am my team. And this year is probably going to be one of those years that I'm, I'm harder on Dallas than any other fan, because it's just like, look, we have some, we, we have something to prove. Like that's the thing people keep trying to tell me that Dallas doesn't have any, anything to prove. You guys, like the last Super Bowl they won, I was four years old. Okay. That's over two decades. We we gotta we gotta start changing some, some stuff. We gotta start having you know people look at at the Dallas Cowboys like you know they're a force to be reckoned with. Like oh, this is not gonna be you know some blowover type game. I think McCarthy should improve their state in the NFC East, and you should win the East as we stand right now. Um, and Dalton as a safety net is a good sign there. Um, Nate, what do we say of? this uh, Twitter anger that was the Green Bay Packer fan base because apparently they took, you know, uh, Jordan Love in the first round and everybody's thinking, okay, they're getting rid of the quarterback here for the future. Um, But ultimately, I mean, I guess all the fans were literally uh, drafting differently than what the Packer organization was drafting because it was disappointing about the Packers offseason is that they did play in the NFC title game. <laughs> so it's like the fans are like, oh, we didn't even make it. It's like the fans were like, we haven't made the playoffs in so long, right? And in reality, okay, it wasn't such a bad team in 2019, but I guess they're wanting a championship team for next year and the the way the draft went is like more like long-term. Yeah, no, uh, <laughs> I, I saw that whole thing and it was like, you know, isn't isn't like every complaint of a fan they don't realize like how recent they were in the playoffs or something like that, and, and I do think I 2019 do think, was that last year? I'm just, I'm just want to make sure Packer last fans. I checked. Yeah, <laughs> make sure they're you know on track here. Uh, you know, I I think in getting love, I do think they were looking. It's for not the as long as yeah. McKenzie's uh, Cowboys not winning something, as she says. You know, <laughs> he's Packer fan. Right. <laughs> exactly. I don't think they really fully realize that you know getting love is is a is setting up for for the future. You're prepping now to start grooming and start growing. Because let, let's face it, 
there's only so many times that Aaron Rodgers can pull the, oh, I'm hurt, go off on the cart, and come back out in the second half and whip tail. There's only so many more times that's going to happen, and they need to start prepping somebody else to come in there. Have they had great backups? Of course. But you need somebody that can come in, learn This from... is the transition of Brett Favre, right? It's the same aspect now. I think Green Bay's thinking yeah. we got to transition at some point. And this is probably the point of transition. And the fans just said, hey, you know what? No, no, no. Our quarterback's still durable for another three years. You can't do this. <laughs> Mike. That's At least totally that's the Twitter. assumption. <laughs> the assumption. Look, 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 go back and watch your entire, like, run of Aaron Rodgers games, folks. See how many times he has made a comeback from an injury of some sort. And think of the wear and tear on the body. If you think that can be another three years, with how much more frequently that's become in the past couple seasons, you are sorely out of your mind. Bottom line. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, you don't want to – McKenzie, they're like thinking – they're thinking this – they're thinking their quarterback is no longer uh, given – in other words, like they're saying, hey, what's going on with you? You're replacing Aaron Rodgers. What's wrong with you? But, like, in reality, as an organization, right, at some point, you're going to have to replace the quarterback. It's just the way it is in the NFL. You, you know, and what's funny is, you know me. Both of y'all know me so well. Like, I love to give grief. You're a cheese hater. I really do. Let's just make sure we're fact on I, that oh, right man. now. Oh, man. To the T. <laughs> to the T. Like, cheese. Green Bay and Mac don't go very well together. However, like I said, my being a realistic football fan and player, Green Bay did not do a terrible job. I mean, just like you, you know, just like we we literally just covered, wear and tear of Aaron Rodgers is getting there. He's getting up there in age. You know, he's not going to be just like Nate said. He's not going to be able to, you know, get get tweet, get banged up, get a little bit hurt in the first half. Come, you know, turn around, come back in the second half and light it up like a Christmas tree. And this, this, Kennedy, this, you can only do that so many times. Overreacting? It's just like is this is an overreaction. It's got to be an overreaction, right? Come on, it's like you still have Aaron Rodgers. It's I like, mean. It, it is it is an overreaction, but in the same in the same sense, it's not because you know diehard uh, Packers fans were the same way when um, when Rodgers got drafted when they had Favre. It's, it's sure. almost like a chain of events, except except Favre lasted a little bit longer before Aaron Rodgers took took the reins over. So and now that Aaron Rodgers is getting up there in age, they did they don't they had who do they have Deshaun Kaiser. As their backup, yep. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Deshaun Kaiser as that? their backup, and 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 that's not you know, and that's not a knock on Deshaun Kaiser, but you are the backup for Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers is at this point Green Bay's version of the goat, like it really is. And and it's not that, like I said, that's not a bad thing. It's just realistic fans need to realize athletes age. It's a thing, you know. And Jordan, the Jordan Love pick, I was I was actually pretty shocked because I personally had Jordan Love going in the second round. Um, so the, for Green Bay to, sta- to snag him in the first round is phenomenal because that just you know that just shows uh, what you know Jordan Love was able to show at his pro days and his draft day and his combine, um, you know to to make himself more you know um, more appealing to a team in the first round. So you know shout out to them um, you know for doing that. Um, Nate, uh, what do we say of Houston? A mess. O'Brien is a pretty good coach. A general manager, not so much. So can we say a mess in Houston? Um, 
I love this first this first uh, couple of sentences here on this Bleacher Report review. It says, appears to be a competent head coach. His prowess as general manager is questionable. And I would agree. <laughs> you will um, agree. <laughs> I, I will agree. I, you, you have you, a you first round You let go of Hopkins to Arizona. <laughs> yeah, not good as a, yeah. as a general manager. Uh, no, and neither is, um, you know, uh, m- making a, a trade for uh, who? L- you don't like David? David Johnson is a damaged goods. You don't like that trade? We take, we take Hopkins. Give you Hopkins, we'll take damaged goods, David Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> right? I'm like, right. what? <laughs> Wait a minute. I love it. But Johnson is a proven number one receiver. Really? Yeah. When? McKenzie, How many years ago? you gotta you gotta think this guy's crazy or something, right? I'm trading you the best player, and can I have a damaged goods running back so I can help Deshaun Watson? <laughs> it's like what? You <laughs> they, know, they, they, they did get your boy Cobb, so I will I give him credit. They did try to band aid it at some right. point. You know, and and here's the deal: is is Randall Cobb is a phenomenal receiver. Like, I don't, like, he does not, and hell, he didn't get enough credit when he was in Dallas. I mean, and you also have to remember, Dallas has Amari Cooper, and Amari Cooper's a, a G, like, real life. He's a G. I mean, like I said, but, but Randall Cobb doesn't get enough credit. He came from the Aaron Rodgers, Mike McCarthy offensive core system. So the Texans, which is, which, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying I agree with the trade. Like, how are you going to just go give up how are you just going to give up Hopkins for David Johnson? Now, on the on the backhand, the um, the offense for the Houston Texans, as far as the running game was was concerned, was literally Deshaun Watson. Now, so I see right, right, I right. see why they went to get David Johnson. Don't think they should have taken David Johnson. In the you know he is a, he's an Iron Man of you know, the NFL banged up. But you could have drafted a running so back. You know what I mean? You could have exactly. drafted well, a running yeah. back. I mean, you didn't have right. to give out Hopkins. I think there's beef. Mackenzie, you think there's beef? There's beef between Hopkins and the coach. That's really what I'm reading. Because there's no, no you know, superstar player leaves a team unless there's beef. If there's beef, then everybody's like, I'm parting ways. I'm out of here. I just want out. I think that's what it was. And I can't – I can't disagree with that. I mean, to be honest, it's, I feel like it's a little bit of the same thing that happened with TB12 and the New England Patriots having been right. somewhere, you know, whether it was the front office or Bill Belichick, um, you know, things of that nature. So I could see that being a thing, you know, but, you know, we'll never know because we're not, you know, super insiders like that. Um, but, you know, if we were, I feel like, I feel like it, I feel like it would have been leaked already, you know, with, with the Tom Brady situation, you know, it, it, he kind of gave off hints that it wasn't going to be – he wasn't going to be a, a Patriot this coming season uh, just from, you know, body language attitude, some, you know, um, encrypt, or, you know encrypted um, interviews. Just So that, that's one thing I can see. It's just, like you said, I would have gotten – I would have dropped her running back. Like, Jonathan Taylor was literally sitting there for the taking. Like quite yeah, that's what I'm saying. You could have drafted and, 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 and a running back in like the third round or later rounds. You could have drafted somebody, but you didn't do it. Um, Nate, 
are they still contenders in the AFC South? Would they be like contenders at this point if Watts comes back? And do you think they're still contenders in that division? I think they're still contenders. I, I don't see you know a, a surefire with the with, with the postseason. I, I think they can contend close. I just don't see them as playoff material, at least for this year. All right. All right. Let's move on. Then uh, McKenzie, Phillip Rivers lands in Indiana. He could be the upgrade that they were looking for that Brissett was not. But we've all known Phillip Rivers, great performances, but no postseason, no real wow in when it matters. So is Indianapolis just – what are they doing here? Is this they're just picking up a you know an upgraded quarterback basically just an upgrade? You know, with this one, it's kind of uh, it, it, I mean, it's kind of it's kind of a toss up. And here's why. So let's let's take Brissett for example. Brissett has been on like four different teams in the past five years ish. Because he's, mm-hmm. he's been in the league for about seven, and he's been on four or five different teams, which is not bad. You know, sometimes being a quarterback, you know, and having a lot of the same talents and attributes as other quarterbacks, that's what happens. You, you know, you get stuck and you kind of get bounced around. You know, he was up in New England for that for that stint. Showed that he could, you know, play the game, so they kept him on for a little bit, then decided not to, you know, not to uh, – um, not to – to uh, take up his contract. So then he gets traded to Indianapolis and he kind of has a ball out season for being, for that being his first year and being the actual starter in Indianapolis. Um, The thing that's tricky though is, you know, just like you said, Phillip Rivers, also another journeyman has also started for um, the Bolt gang for upteen amount of years. Um, You know, I mean, because Phillip Rivers has been in the league for 15 Seasons. I mean, he's a Charger a legend, right? He's a Charger yeah, legend. Well, and, and I think he's going to go down as a Charger legend. If you're going to, you know, put him in Hall of Fame or anything like that, it's going to be Charger in the Charger land. But um, Rivers and T.Y. Hilton, Mac, is that, I mean, can that work? Because he did make it work in San Diego with all these other weapons too. So he's talented enough to make it work. Now can he put it together and, and, you know, take this team in in terms of the division against Houston and make make it some sort of a race because um, they did that. But they also did uh, they also did get Washington uh, quarterback Jacob Eason in the fourth round. So maybe this is a short term fix for Indianapolis a year or two here with or you know with Rivers and see how it turns out. But they do pick up a, a quarterback that maybe they can work with for the future. Uh, I think that's the way you have to go right now, you know, especially because with, like I said, with Brissett, really his first I guess, foundational season, as far as like first actual season being the starter in Indianapolis, you almost have to give it another season to see what's going to happen. I think I would even, I would even short it up to say half, half of this coming season, you know, if something happens and, Brissett just isn't, you know, isn't getting the job done or they see something um, that Philip Rivers could possibly get through as far as having more veteranship and more playing experience than, than Brissett does. I think it's, I, I mean, there's obviously going to be a competition there, but I think ultimately, you know, ultimately if, if things don't vote over well for Brissett, uh, they're really going to have to just put it, you know, put all opinions inside and put in, uh, 
uh, you know, give the reins over to uh, Philip Rivers. Nate, uh, why don't we move to Jacksonville? Jacksonville's been a mess. Their shoulders riot on Gardner Minshew. Uh, so at this point, they picked up, uh, I think, a couple picks that will add to DJ, ha- uh, DJ Chark Jr. Uh, I think they picked up uh, LaVisca Chenard. Um, so Jacksonville, uh, I don't know if they're going to make uh, you know any real strides, but they did kind of shore up their things. They didn't make a real uh, you know splash in the free agency area, but they did do a solid drafting. They got rid of um, basically what Nick Knowles got rid of Nick Knowles at this point. Uh, they picked up, uh, I guess uh, they still have. I think they have Leonard Fournette, right? Still at this point. Um, Overall, I think they, they did somewhat okay, um, but can we expect them to kind of rebound in 2020 is really the question. I see rebound and growth. I don't see really contention, and I think you can look back to the, um, oh gosh, what was it, the, the Thursday night game, widely panned by everybody for being one of the worst midweek games they could think of. And it was for a number of reasons, but probably most of all for just how Jacksonville played. And I watched that game, and it was sad. They did do a lot of right. I will agree with you on that in terms of draft and free agency. But I see this as a year of growth, and I see it as a year of where did we screw up, how do these pieces fit in, And how can we rely on the whole team and, like you said, not just ride on Minshew's shoulders? Right. Because I saw that with the Cougars, and it ended up ugly this past season, much like it did for Washington because we saw that uh, Eason got exposed. I was going to point that out in the the segment with the Colts, is I do see potential in him, but he needs to be able to have those eyes all around his head in order to pay attention to what's on the field, because the better set of eyes is on the field, not on the sideline. And there were a lot of times there there were calls from the sideline that were bad, but he did not have the wherewithal or the sense to not be exposed and had a rough time out there on the field. So if he wants to succeed with the Colts, that needs to happen. And if the Jaguars want any chance, they need to not just ride on the shoulders of the quarterback. They need to use these pieces they got. They need to grow. They need to rewrite the playbook and use this as an experimental year. I agree. I think Jacksonville really has to do that. Um, Mac, the champs didn't have to worry because it looks like everybody's intact. So the Chiefs, they got their quarterback. They got a backup quarterback in Haney. Uh, They still have wideouts, Robinson, and they got uh, Damian Williams. So they basically only – they only they drafted decent, in in other words. I mean, it wasn't like a great draft, but no Super Bowl champion has that affordability of so many picks. But they did get some key positions, so I would say they're the same, or if not better, they'll get better or not the same because they they basically retain everybody almost. Yeah, you know, and just like you said, unfortunately, being the Super Bowl champions, you aren't afforded those big number or a lot or a lot of a, you know a good number of picks for the draft. Um, but, you know, and I don't really see – I don't really see any drop-off from what they were able to accomplish last season, obviously, with being the Super Bowl champions. However, 
with a bunch of these teams reloading and upgrading, it's going to be interesting to see how how Kansas City fares. Um, and I mean, I'm not counting them out because I actually I actually like the Chiefs. I don't I don't ever actually have a problem with Chiefs fans or even the team itself because everything that they've said that they were going to do, they've done. Like let I mean, let's take for instance Patrick Mahomes second season last year makes it to the AFC championship game inevitably, or I guess uh, two years ago, I guess makes it to the championship game and, or to the AFC you know, championship game loses, comes, turns around, literally turns around this next year for 2020 and wipes out the entire division and wins the Super Bowl. <laughs> like in his third or fourth year in, and you also have Travis Kelsey. You also have um, Tyreek Hill. So I, you know, I just I don't see much drop off. It's just it's going to be it's, it's going to be interesting to see the how West, they, how they fare. Mac, the West is shuffled, right? Is that your point? They they stood ground. Yeah, pretty much. And you got Vegas shuffled. Uh, San Diego's somewhat of a mess. Denver's somewhat of a mess. So the other teams have literally shuffled, and they got they got to like gel at some point. While Kansas City is on all cylinders with some additions. Basically, that's what it looks like in terms of the AFC West. Well, exactly, and so and so here's here's the the interesting thing as far as and you, and I'm glad you mentioned uh, the Denver Broncos. The Denver Broncos have slowly been been rebuilding, um, and I'm not real sure if anybody notices that. I mean, obviously their record, you know, their record the past couple seasons hasn't hasn't really reflected the fact that they've been re- reloading. But let's t- let's take a look at last year's draft. They pick up Noah Fant from Iowa, huge, you know. Six foot four, six foot five, tight end, slot receiver type. Um, one of the best tight end. It was was one of the literally was one of the best tight ends in college football last year. Um, you pair that with getting Drew Locke out of Missouri, and he's now inevitably going to be your starter unless unless they end up picking like picking up a like a Cam Newton or somebody that's you know a free agent veteran quarterback. Um, and then they, and they also, also get Melvin uh, Gordon. So yeah, they got Melvin Gordon. That's what I'm saying. They get Melvin Gordon too, and then they got uh, Locke. Locke, who's in what year two at this point? So mm-hmm. I, I agree with yep. you. I think Denver is, like you said, gradually, gradually putting it together. They also got uh, Jerry Judy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, you're, every if anybody watches football, college football, regular football in general, knows what Jerry Judy is capable of. Right. And have and I think having you know, I think you know, John Elway and the and the Broncos inevitably drafting having those those three awesome draft picks, you know, from last year to this year, um, is phenomenal. Especially because Jerry Judy is going to start. I can tell you that right now, because Denver does not have any weapons. They also still have Philip Lindsay in the backfield, um, who is definitely a force to be reckoned with. I don't know what planet Philip Lindsay came from, but the Broncos better not you know, better not try to get rid of him or, you know, or better not, you know, make, you know, make him think that he's not wanted there because he's a good three quarters of the reason why the Broncos have still been partly relevant. I agree. I think that's it. Let's stay here, Nate. Uh, are the Raiders rebuilding for the relocation? Because they, they added, um, what did they add? Safety, uh, Randall, Demiris Randall. They added, mm-hmm. uh, 
Max Boy, Jason Witten. They took safety Jeff Heath, guard Kevin Cush. Uh, they also added the talented um, uh, from the draft. They, they added uh, um, Henry Ruggs the third. So at this point, we're looking at uh, a good a good free agency for the Raiders. Not so much for the draft, but overall, I think they've done a good job in terms of trying to get themselves into Vegas mode, I guess, and hopefully the fans will dive into them. But can we say they're a playoff team? I'd say close contenders. I don't think we're going to see like a um, Las Vegas Knights miracle story. But then again, you know, difference between NFL and NHL is NHL you get, you know, it's a requirement that each team kind of give their best players to the expansion team, which I think is kind of odd. Um, but no, they've they've done a lot. I mean, look at the guys you just listed. They're doing, um, you know, there's one thing in this report here. It says aren't going to turn many heads, and I would I would disagree. I, I think with them being, you know, the the new team in town and putting the piece together and slowly, you know, trying to make themselves look good, people will come, and I think feeding off that energy, all these guys collectively will thrive off of that and continue to build that up and ride that momentum. I would see them maybe making playoffs as, as early as next year. Mac, you agree? You think the Raiders are, you know, for, I mean, upgrading at this point, they got Witten, they got all these pieces together. Do you think they got a shot in the West, in other words, to stay with Kansas City and Denver? Mm, I'm going to say yes only for the plain fact that they have those pieces. Last year they had Josh Jacobs. That was it. Uh, I mean, obviously coupled with, you know, Derek Carr, but they have Henry Ruggs, who's the fastest running – or he's the, he's the fastest receiver in college football and has been for mm, four years, maybe five. If he, I, I don't remember if he was a fifth-year senior or not, but, I mean, he, he, he was the fastest – receiver in college football and he just happens to come from that powerhouse you know with those floating elephants over there in Tuscaloosa Alabama mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah it's it's I think the Raiders have it um uh Mac let's go to the Chargers they the river leaves Gordon leaves and we talked to Holly obviously she's big on Oregon so they they pick up Justin Herbert so can they build around Justin Herbert here and make the Chargers somewhat uh, something in the West to contend with because uh, they they do they they made trades in other words they kind of dismantled what they had they still left some uh, some players in, in terms of you know uh, Hunter Henry and Austin Eckler so at this point um, what do we say here we got Tyrod Taylor still there so we don't even know if Herbert's going to start questions in 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 terms of Charger land yeah you know. And that's an interesting one, having – and I, I'm not even going to lie, I forgot Tyrod Taylor was down there. I'm not even going to lie. And that's not a knock on him. That's just how focused that the Chargers were on – You're excused. I think Tyrod Taylor has been around everywhere. Now he's in Southern Cal with no true. fans. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> that, I, well, I can't take that from you. Well, yeah, you know, I, for, I definitely, you know, forgot that Tyrod Taylor was down there, which makes this quarterback – competition way more interesting um i think mm-hmm. you automatically have to give you know give respect to tyrod taylor because he has been everywhere and he is a veteran of the league 
you know, I see a, there's, a, there's a running theme here with um, with this, at least this year's draft, because it's it wasn't really quarterback heavy. It, it was definitely more of a mix. Um, it's definitely more of a mix of position. Uh, I mean, across the board, skills, quarterback, receiver, you know, running back, uh, D-line, D-back, and O-line, like literally all across the board. So, um, with this with this Chargers quarterback situation, it's going to be interesting because I think they obviously the Chargers drafted Justin or, you know, Justin Herbert for a reason, you know him fitting the mold that they have been used to as far as having bigger you know the bigger stronger taller quarterback in Philip Rivers, but now Philip Rivers is over in Indianapolis with uh, with the Horseshoe Gang, and you know now having to essentially. I'm not, I'm not going to call it reloading because they still have all their pieces from last year, and they, they still have good pieces. They're just reevaluating the quarterback situation because, to be honest, in, in my eyes personally, the quarterback situation down there is what was holding them back from being a contender. Wow. So you you really thought Rivers is over the hill now? I think everybody thought that. Even I'm, I I'm not going to say over the hill. Too long. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm not going to say over the hill, but – I think for the talent that they had been trying to get down there in, um, you know, with in in Boltland, Bolt I think sure. it was just a little bit past Philip Rivers' time with him going to the Colts. Mm-hmm. It's it the Colts have a little bit more rugged old school style of offense, um, so that that's why I think it's going to be a better match for for Rivers being in Indianapolis now than it would have been for him to try to get a contract negotiation and stay with the Bolt game. And that's just sure. me. No, it makes sense. I mean, that you're on the right track. I mean, he hadn't gone anywhere. So what's the, what's the difference, right? You go to Indianapolis, hopefully you stay the same or you impressed and something make out of it. Um, Nate, my Rams, besides the crappy logo, they didn't do much. And it looks like it's going to be a disappointing 2020 season, given the fact that even Todd Gurley is asking to get paid because apparently he didn't get paid when he got cut. And uh, then you get you let go of Brandon Cooks. Um, we already knew about Jared Goff being the guy with the big money, and a lot of Rams fans are doubting that, that he's the guy with the big money. So the, we did pick up, uh, you know, the loss of Gurley and Cook. We did take uh, Cam Akers from Florida State. And we took Van, Jeff- uh, Van Jefferson from Florida. On top of that, we added Alabama's uh, Terrell Lewis. But, man, overall, I just, as a Ram fan, I'm like, man, are we going to be mediocre or in the cellar, given Arizona's moves, given San Francisco's stability? Um, you know, Seattle's the other, you know, question mark. But it doesn't look good for me. I, I hate to say it, but in reading this and prepping for – for this segment, I just I I couldn't help but think if anybody has ever witnessed the ability to hear playing calling from the play calling from the top row of Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum, because I, I feel as a Seahawks fan, this is everything you want. As a football pure like I am, a huge overall football fan, this is disappointing. By far, no, this is horrible. The logo's horrible. The trades are horrible, Mac. Mac, I'm I, I should be like on on some sort of alcohol right now. This is horrible. Like Leonard We're Floyd, have Jared Goff take us to the promised land? Not gonna happen. I mean, I love Jared Goff, but ain't a guy that's gonna take you to the promised land. 
I mean, you said it, not me. <laughs> I, I'm saying it because I'm a realist. It's like this is not working. You didn't start your your best running back in the Super Bowl. You didn't even put him in, and now you're like, "What? What did we? What did we pick up? Oh, we we signed Whitmore. Whoa, B, right? Come on, <laughs> we have no mobile quarterback. We have no running back. unless Cam Akers comes in and completely just obliterates what Gurley did in two seasons and outshines him for whatever reason. Our defense is still decent offensively. I just have I just have doubt. I guess that's my offensively. I have doubt. So here's here's the thing, Oscar. Is you know you're not wrong to have doubts. It's, hell, it's natural. I have I have doubts, and I am probably the biggest diehard Cowboys fan on the face of the freaking planet. But you have doubts when your team doesn't produce the way that you know they can or should, and that's really what it comes down to. It don't matter if it's Dallas. It don't matter if it's Green Bay. It doesn't matter. It could be a floating alien in, in, over in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, you know, playing for a college championship. But if your team doesn't produce that, you know, to its potential or to what they have shown that they can produce up to before, it, that's just – that's how that's what Mac, happens. Doubt, that's Mac, <laughs> I'm more doubting our quarterback. I'm not even doubting the defense. I think the defense will play their heart out. I think they'll be, they'll be fine. Our secondary is questionable. I'm doubting – the state of the quarterback. You put in all your bankroll on this guy, and I, as talented as he is, he's not a leader. I don't see him as a leader. He's not an Aaron Rodgers. So to me, it's kind of like, you know, your offense is your key, and you need an upgrade. What are you going to do? I mean, you have sure you have some weapons. I maybe I'm over the top, overly critical, and I should just wait and see. What do you think, Nate? Should I just wait and see? I, I, I'm going to say wait and see, but I'm also going to say that I'm not going to be surprised if he's run out on a rail halfway through the season. Bottom line. Yeah, that's my worry. That's like, what? I'm like, what? Um, what were you Mac, thinking? <laughs> Mac, what do you think of Seattle in the West? Okay, you get, you know, there's the West. The Rams, to me, don't look that great. Arizona looks like they improved. Frisco, of course, is going to be somewhat improved. Um, I mean, Seattle still has Russell Wilson. So when you compare Russell Wilson and all the rest of the quarterbacks in the West, Kyler Murray, right, Jimmy G, and then you get Jared Goff. I mean, uh, you got to start to look, you know, <laughs> right? I mean, if you rate them, right? If you rate them, yeah. you're like Jimmy G, you know, Russell Wilson and Kyle Murray. I mean, they're exciting. Jared Goff. Not so much, unless he's got a good cast he's around boring. him. I'm sorry. I'm Your serious. That's boring. what I'm saying. And, and you know, it's sometimes, sometimes it's an eye to be boring, Oscar. But you got to counteract that boring with a little spice, like a little something. You know, like give it a little oomph, a little gulp to it. You know, put a little zazz and pizzazz into it. Unfortunately, Jared Goff ain't that guy for y'all right now to be giving you any kind of oomph and pizzazz, which is sad because. You know, hey, in, in, Mac. I mean, most know, of because, our fans on our group boards think we sold the farm on one guy, which is right. We did. What the hell did we do? Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, like, what yeah, did there's we no, do? there's obviously no argument from myself or Nate at this point. Um, I will say, however, um, I still feel like your front office 
has, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, you know, has still been on that high, that, that you know, making it to the Super Bowl high uh, that year y'all played the New England Patriots when TV 12 Super got his Bowl number six. Super Bowl was stunk skunk. They didn't do nothing. I mean, they got embarrassed. But the fact – the fact that you guys made it there is, is, I feel like, what your front office organization is banking their, you know, their high hopes on Jared Goff for. Now, I'm not going to say Jared Goff is a terrible quarterback because he's not, but he just he don't have it. He's he, and who knows? It could be the system. It could be. Uh, it's because he's from Berkeley. Could, you know, he came from Berkeley. It's not happening. The Cal quarterback. Give me somebody yeah. from Alabama or Iowa. Or somewhere that would have been nicer, but no, no. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. He's a North Cal guy. I'm, I'm okay with it, but I just don't think he's the right. <laughs> he's not going to take us to the promised land unless he's got a cast around him that is excellent, right? And he's got timing and the offense. He's a kid built around a, a wall that needs to be afforded to him. He's not a playmaker, in other words. That's my point. It's like he's not like a Lamar Jackson, right? He can run, right. escape. Not like a Russell Wilson and things like that. Um. So that's what I'm saying. I think I would not be surprised if we're in the cellar. And if they screw up our uniform unveil, I will be very pissed. Very pissed. <laughs> They've already screwed up our logo. And I'll be very pissed. I oh, I'd be ready for it to be highly entertaining. <laughs> oh, yeah. Me and Nate will be there with some popcorn just to wait. Wait a bit on it. <laughs> God. You wait. If they screw up... If, oh, the helmet! If they if they screw up the helmet, they might throw me off radio oh. if I say the word. But if they screw up the helmet, oh God help them! God help them! G O D. Oh, Nate, get ready, get ready! Pop, it's pop, about to be popcorn top. Awesome, oh, so shoulder. It will I'm be so it, ready. Oh my God! Need and company better. Yeah, yeah, they better watch. Yeah. No. Make no. sure you go face the oh. so we can watch. You're not you're not the only one. That 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 entire you know, we saw social media light up about the logo, just wait until they light up about the uniform. Holy oh yeah, no, crap. you screw up the uni and you mess with the helmet. Okay, those people will burn in Southern Cal. At the beaches. They will burn at the beaches. That logo sucks. S U S E K S. Just what? <laughs> oh my come on. Two years can you tell Two years. It took two years to for us to come up with this. What? My God, I could have done oh, like look, I remember. I, I could have done Adobe. Your first Adobe reaction. design for a logo. I'm like, come on. I literally remember your first reaction when the uni- when the helmet unveiling came came out and you posted it in you know the admin chat that we have. I literally, I I literally reread all your all your comments in that messenger probably four times because it was so funny. Oh my god, you were so late. It was great, and I I for one, I just I really want the Rams to mess up just so I can see your head fly off your shoulders. Not gonna god. lie. No, I don't even drink alcohol, but I think I'll go to alcohol. Just screw up the helmet. They go the go on the helmet. I'm done. I'm, I got rid of Jeff Fisher, and and I put a banner fire Fisher. So you know Demar and. And Sneed, don't tempt me is the word. Don't tempt me because we will put a, we will get the booster club, and they will be the first ones out the door if they mess up with the helmet. They screw up the uniform, not, not so bad. But the helmet, boy, G-O-D help you. That's all I got to tell you right two, now. G-O-D. Two, 
two years to come up with a decent idea, and they come up with something that belongs in AF2. It's an embarrassment. Right, yeah. It's an embarrassment. Everybody that saw that logo thought it was like a combination Charger Ram, and that's an insult. That is such insulting. It's like, what the, what? Oh, my God. Anyways, let me get off this, this rant. I don't do rant often, but <laughs> apparently my rant is ranting right now. Oh, my God. Um, let's go to the more hopeful state of Tennessee Titans with Ryan Tannehill. Four-year with Derrick Henry. There you go. See? Ryan Tannehill. Why couldn't we get him in Los Angeles? Oh, no, I'm just kidding. I'm not kidding. <laughs> yeah, I would have put Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry would have been nice. But, um, Mac. Uh, Tennessee slowly creeping, really putting together. Tannehill, lousy in Miami, somewhat more decent and, and very productive in Tennessee. And you get Derrick Henry. So, I mean, I think Tennessee's a, a team to watch. You know, look, like we all know, I could really care less about mainly anybody from the state of Alabama. However, I love me some Derrick Henry. Ooh. That man, I, I don't know. You got a crush. Look, you got a crush on this guy or what? I love Derrick Henry. He's, first of all, Derrick Henry does not play no games, and he didn't when he was at Bama either. So the, just the fact that the, the Titans finally, you know, decided to give him a chance after that third season has just been phenomenal. Seeing him be able to just run through people and so easily and, you know, have super good ball, ball control and just the, all the tangibles you need to be as a to be a great running back is what Derrick Henry is. Um, my only issue with not even Derrick Henry, but the quarterback situation, is if, ta- if something happens to Tannehill, who's who are they going to put? Are they going to give it back to Marcus Mariota, or you know? And it just it's the, the durability thing with quarterbacks. With and this really just goes for any team is what is what gets me. Like that's really. My thing, and I and I'm not saying like obviously I don't wish injury on anybody, but the quarterbacks that we've known and seen for a while are starting to age, um, and Tannehill is kind of he's not really up there, but he's a good solid in the middle. Um, you know, I just and I just would hate to see something happen to either one of them to you know prevent the progress that they made last season. Yeah, I agree. I think he's pretty decent. Um. Nate, what do we say of the Jets? Are they going to be the team in the East since Brady has gone to Tampa Bay? Do you think the Jets stand out before the Bills and the and everybody else in that in, in Miami in the uh, in the AFC East? Mm-hmm. No, they got Le'Veon Bell. They do. They have got Le'Veon Frank Gore. George Famp, sir. I, I mean, I, I would say. Uh, a maybe. It's right, still. Cool. They did pick up uh, McKee Beckin, so Beckin's pretty loaded. It's good, it has good upside. And then you add Sam Darnold, still kind of evolving. So, you know, given the fact that Brady's gone, is my point, is are we expecting right. the Jets here to, to improve? Maybe Buffalo or or Miami to make a splash in this division? Because we're going to have a different winner if if Belichick somehow can't get the new quarterback to produce then we have uh, Jets have an opportunity here to kind of stand out. They have a chance to stand out and prove themselves. I, I, I just think 
as far as moving to next year with with really putting you see that's the problem with having you know putting putting big pieces in places you need them to gel you need them to get together they did a good job of that after they got bell and after they got fan all these you know these caliber guys let's not be mistaken they're caliber guys but again it goes back to timing i see them building and i mean i see them above average they said in this thing that they'll likely again be an average squad. I see them above average, and I see them being a threat and making a point. I don't see them in playoff contention. I'd say maybe close to wild card. But again, because the Patriots are out, it's anybody's ball game in that division. There's no doubt about it. So maybe they could surprise, or maybe they could make it close and say, here's where we stand. We just got to you know, keep riding that, riding that rail into the next season and then find ourselves in the playoffs and prove people we we can be contenders in this division. Mac, you got the same same thing with the Jets. You think they got some hopes there to own the division? <clears throat> Yikes! Own the division? Probably not. Uh, to be honest, I'm God, you know I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to agree with Nate. A uh, wild card definitely a huge possibility. Um, division, not quite. That's, I'd say that's even like two years far-fetched. But like I said, we've seen mm. stranger things happen. We have literally seen stranger things happen. So I'm not going to rule it out completely. I'm just not putting playoff contentions in with the New York Jets. That's like putting it in there with the New York Giants. That's not a thing. Yikes. Um... So if you're a New York fan, Mac just said, you're not going anywhere. (laughs) Probably not, man. Yikes. All right, so Mac, let's address New England. So you get they pick up Clemson's Trevor Lawrence as a backup. They got Brian Hoyer with no Brady in sight. So do you feel like New England's gonna just be still the division the guys to beat in the division then? Since you're not thinking the Jets and all that you think of New England at this point? You know, you pick up Trevor Lawrence as a backup, which is interesting to me. I'm kind of mad that I didn't, I didn't really, I didn't know that. So that's cool. That changes everything. Now, kind of like Jerry Jones, Robert Kraft is also one of the good old boys, you know, likes longevity. With that, you have Jared Stidham. Jared Stidham came from Auburn. Jared Stidham has very, very high potential. Jared Stidham just has had now had to sit behind Tom Brady for one or two seasons. So he knows the system. What's going to be interesting, though, is how they try to give him that chance to show that he knows the system. We all know how hardcore Belichick is. We know that Belichick loves to uh, pick apart Good defenses, great defenses. We know Bill. But we know how Bill, Bill Belichick ran his things with Tom Brady. The difference between Tom Brady and Jared Stidham is Tom Brady is a six-time Super Bowl goat, and Jared Stidham is a sophomore in a sophomore season. Um, and I think Belichick is going. I don't think he's going to have a hard time, um, you know, getting Jared Stidham to adjust. It's going to be how fast he adjusts. Uh, is going to going to mm-hmm. be the problem. Well, and not really so much problem, but that that's really that's going to be the obstacle is to see how quickly Jared Stidham can get 
the Patriots rolling as far as what has just left the building in terms of Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski leaving the New England Patriots. Because with, with Rob Gronkowski and Tom Brady, that was their bread and butter, quite, quite literally. Um, and that's not, that's not downplaying anybody else. The, the one good thing is, is the Patriots do still have Julian Edelman, who also played quarterback. So I, wouldn't be, I would not be shocked if Bill Belichick pulled something out of his behind and, you know, even give, give, give in a little bit of a thought to put Julian Edelman back there, even whether it's on, a, you know, a wildcat or a couple yardage type deal. It would not be surprise, surprising to, to me just to see what kind of look it could, it could give the offense, um, especially with the, you know, the kind of play that, we're, that we've been seeing, more of the dink and dumps, you know, or the some teams where you go just air, 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 air for an entire offensive series or half, and then you pound it, pound it, pound it through the ground, you know, running the ball, play option, stuff like that. So it wouldn't be surprising if Bill Belichick tried to find a way to modernize his tactical offense and defense. So it'll be interesting. All right. So we got NFL news coming up next week. We'll, we'll kind of dive into a lot of off-season stuff but still. Uh, <laughs> this is pretty much – been very interesting um and i think uh you know most people will take back on my rant and say he's just going over the top but you know what i'm not because i'm a passionate guy and if they do screw up my helmet they will be held to pay h-e-l-l to pay that's all i gotta say so that's all i gotta say so a little saltiness comes out a little saltiness just started rubbing off on me from from the mac dad here so it's a little salty no big deal you know this is my job um that's my job, Oscar, is to rub off on y'all. Thank you, Mackenzie. Because if they screw up the helmet, Mac, I will be salty. Very salty. And Hashtag I will be popping very popcorn. Salty. I will be popping popcorn. Oh, my I'll God. I'll be right there with you. Jesus. All right. I don't lose my cool often, but I will lose my cool if that happens. It's just not right. All right. Let's go. Uh, X-League rosters. We're going to be talking Atlanta, Empire, Denver, Rush. And before we do that, I want to thank everybody to go into the hub. We are almost at 7,900. In the last three weeks, we have an increased reach of 300 and almost 80%. So I want to just give everybody a shout out because you guys are doing everything to bring attention to women's American football. That's what you're doing when you go to the hub. Everything at the hub, the network that we have, the best network on the planet bar none and they are passionate about bringing you women's american football news and notes and everything stories videos you name it so if you don't know that women play american football you go to the hub if you're missing out on women's american football you know action you can go to the wfaprofootball.com you can go to their site at women's football alliance there's a couple games on an ft uh, ft uh, ftf and as well as 11 sports but you can also go to our YouTube channel at Gridiron Beauties on YouTube, and you can go back about 10 years of content. So you can replay games from everywhere, Europe, South America, Mexico, everywhere. So if you're bored, your Netflix thing is done, go to YouTube, Gridiron Beauties, get some popcorn, as Max says, and start diving into women's American football. A lot of talented players from all over the globe. So check it out on there. You can also, also follow us on IG at Great Arm Views on IG. So check it out. All right. So um, Nate, Molly, 
Richardson because the Nashville Knights did not want to play Mitch Mortaza's rebrand mentality. Molly didn't have a choice, so she goes to uh, Atlanta to replace Dakota Hughes, basically. So we got Molly Richardson, QB1, and uh, taking care of the Atlanta Empire. They get the return of uh, Ziegler as well uh, into the squad. Amber Clark returns, uh, Julia Vesikai, um, and then Rachel Blacklock. So there's a couple players that are pretty key there. Um, they also pick up Chrissy Mathis, wide receiver, to complement Ziegler uh, on strong safety, Ashley Myrick. Uh, you got Atham Bernham. So a couple of vets, or a majority of vets, and then a couple of rookies. Um, if we get to play X League, it looks like Molly Richardson's is perfect. Atlanta's going to be perfect for her to stand out, especially with Ziggler. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, you know, one of the big things with Atlanta, you mentioned Dakota Hughes, and two words come to mind, big shoes. And Richardson coming from a program that we saw, you know, over the two years, they were around the first year we saw, you know, Chris Michelson giving some help. And then, uh, uh, shoot, Danica, Danica Brace coming into her own as the, the, uh, the head coach in Nashville really thrived under both of them, really did a great job in executing and controlling the game. Um, obviously was a great leader for Nashville. I see nothing but great things for her from Atlanta and the group that she has around her. I see no flaws on receiving end or running back end. So handoffs, passes should come easily. And the fact that she's under Dane Robinson, you know, veteran veteran of this program, veteran of the league, whether it be rebranded or not, um, she has a lot of room to be able to perform and to succeed. I think she'll do just fine. Uh, Mac, Molly's been very, very versatile when she was playing in Nashville. Now she gets to play with an icon in this league, which is Le- uh, Lauren Ziegler. And then you get a, a Fesakai who's improved over the last two years. And then the addition, you know, of uh, those two should be both well for Atlanta in the East because we have no idea what Chicago looks like right now. But Atlanta really rebuilds. They don't drop off at quarterback. So that's a good sign for uh, the Empire. You know, you know how I feel about the X League and how I've felt about the X League for a while. I do my best to stay unbiased, but I'm excited for this. I really am. I mean, especially being able to to learn about all the players on the X League rosters and the kind of systems and teams that they've come from. Whew, yeah. Um, the X League better watch out it just because – the, this is now, what, the third or fourth team that we've seen with, like, a veteran change in leadership and powerhouse players banding together. It seems to be, it seems to be the past four, you know, four or five times that we've had this conversation, it seems to be more and more veterans are banding together from rival teams to, you know, to play on a different team. It's crazy, actually. Um, I love well, it. you know, they, they shift so, everywhere. Uh, can't, you know, can't, uh, Nashville disbanded, so... You know, if you want to play football, I guess you had to go somewhere. So Molly, I mean, Molly's really talented. So this is where she lands, I guess, uh, replacing Dakota Hughes. Which uh, which is still mind-blowing to me. <laughs> I just, oh, man. I Like, I'm honestly, I'm speechless. Like, a good speechless. Because this is just, it's just going to bring 
more awareness to the talent that is in the X League. I think what people don't realize is, yeah, okay, it's the X League. It's not, you know, it's not the type of football that we all know and love or are used to, you know, analyzing, playing, things like that nature. But I think with having those veterans banding together and being on those teams, um, you know, going to different teams to all play together is going to – it's going to kind of set a fire underneath like the awareness column as far as like, Hey, we still, we play football as well. You know, it may not be an orthodox style, but it, it's still a thing. So I just, whew, look, I'm speechless. So I really, I really can't like, I really just, I'm so excited for this. It's like, I am, I'm pumped. Yeah. And, and Atlanta's always had a history of being a, being a pretty good team. Dakota being gone now, I think it'll be good. Uh, Nate, what do we say of Denver? Uh, K-Mac returns at running back. Uh, Quintana is supposed to return at running back. Uh, they have Medrano, uh, Vanna Medrano, who will be the new quarterback. They've always had a shuffle at quarterback. Not a very consistent thing. Uh, the other players, we get our no-joke football athlete, Jared Floyd, at middle linebacker returning. You also have, uh, I think, Nicole Curry also on that, on that st- uh, uh, situation. And then you got a couple of rookies that are coming in. Denver's always been uh, in the pre. We, we talk about Legends Football League, Denver Dream. Uh, Denver's always had a issue offensively to be gelling. So I, I, I hope that this is not the case. But Medrano seems to be, I guess, the, the new face that's going to lead them. I would hope so. Um, you know, Denver has, I mean, even as small as it is, um, you know, loyal fan base and always hoping for more, but it's disheartening when you send a squad out there and they get just absolutely thrashed. I mean, what we've seen scores 96, 108, you know, even by, you know, indoor arena standards, that's, that's, that's a bit far. Um, I love what I see here. You know, the, the veteran power coming back, you know, you mentioned um, uh, Medrano, Kamak. I mean, these are ladies that have, that have proven themselves and I just, I don't, think they've been surrounded by the right um, environment. It's nice to see Curry come back. I remember that injury like it was yesterday. Nasty, nasty. Um, I think the bigger part of this is I don't know much about the, the, the coaching staff, but what they need is they need, you know, they need a connection. They need, um, they just, they need that right game plan that, that keeps them in the game consistently and doesn't open them up for disaster. We've seen that with, Gosh, they went through, I think, what, two or three different coaches over the, the time since they returned to, to Legends. And it just, mm-hmm. you know, that revolving door just does not help you at all. If they can keep this squad healthy, if their key players do not have massive injuries like we've seen over the last couple of years, and if the coaching staff can come up with a game plan easily exposable and doesn't open them up to get absolutely dropped on their keister every which way around, quarter in and quarter out with no hope of survival, they may have a chance. I'm not saying playoffs, but I'm saying they have a chance to at least maybe get a win they, under their they, belts. you got to gotta erase the Denver dream. you just got to erase it now. That's what I'm telling you. Oh, That's I know. what Denver fans will tell you. Just erase the Denver dream. Because this is now that. a rush. Won't. That's not a dream. This is a rush now. <laughs> exactly. Well, and that's what I'm saying, is they need to be a rush if they want to change the mentality of the fans that continue coming in. Because the fans are coming in with the same expectancy 
that they had when they were the dream. They need to, sure. you know, they need to put something together that proves that they are not that team. They are the Denver Rush. They are here to compete, and they are here to be contenders. So, so far at this point, we would classify them uh, as probably the weakest roster that we've seen so far in terms of performance and output, right? Compared to Atlanta, exactly. compared to uh, the Thunder, compared to the Austin. So, so far, this would be right. the weakest roster so far. All right, uh, Mac, uh, this is kind of a shuffle, right? Uh, Quintana uh, busted her, uh, her uh, leg, uh, injury prone. Mac was pretty, uh, K-Mac was pretty good. They got a brand-new quarterback here again, once again. So to uh, Nate's point, uh, it's just this uh, Denver team really has to prove themselves a lot more than their previous predecessors, which is the dream. Yeah. Oh, and that's always the rough part about having to fill big shoes is that, you know, your, 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 your predecessor or, you know, or that of their likes of always seems to, you know, set the bar super high. And then you turn around and you have this new team or newer team. And you just sit there and kind of think, like, what's going to be the best way or option for us as a team to try to live up to those big shoes? And I think with having who they have at quarterback now might just do the trick. It's, you know, it's just like we were talking about earlier. How quickly can these players adjust to the new system or, uh, you know, new parts of the system, whatever have you? So and that, that's going to be the biggest challenge is – the adjustment phase, you know, what happens during the off season, what kind of, you know, who gets put at what position, who stays at what position, you know, new, new players in new positions, uh, vet, veteran quarterback, new team, new team, essentially trying to live up to uh, old team expectations. And I think in this, in the same respect, you have to, you know, fans and, and the organization has to realize that, it's not good. Like they're not going to be able to be the old team because they are the old team for a reason. You knew you now have this new installment, same city, same state, but essentially different in the same aspect. All right. So we're looking for Atlanta much improved with Molly Richardson, Denver. We'll wait and see here. With we'll see what uh, Madrano brings to the to the table. We know what our no joke football athlete Jared Floyd brings to the table just a lot of muscle and grit at middle linebackers. So we're really excited for her to show showcase if and when the X league goes uh, rumor has it June 1st will be the deciding factor of whether it's a go or no go. So hopefully we cross our fingers that we get some women's football. If not, it's going to be the same as WNC WFA, which is a cancellation. So hopefully that's not the case, but th- we'll have to wait and see at this point. Um, you guys can go to the hub at facebook.com forward slash grand abuse to get the latest news there on everything that's happening in the sport, um, everything in terms of articles. Go check out the awesome articles that were done on all the Guam women's tackle football players in, in terms of their journey to the w, uh, WFLA. You can also get uh, the WNFC final showdown. That was on tap there as well. Uh, Liz Sowers was named the NAIA Ottawa Braves flag, women's flag football coach. So congratulations to her. Big deal there. And then Jasmine Kalep, ex-league Chicago Blitz, will be on Fox's Ultimate Tag May 22nd. She's going to be on there as well. Uh, We talked about 
uh, the ebook last uh, last uh, two podcasts with uh, Gabriel Farrell. So if you want to get the ebook, you go to that uh, link and you get the free ebook, Female Athletes uh, ebook. And that was on episode three one nine. You get the details there if you redo the replay there. Mackenzie Brooks was with Megan Duhamel on the pro chat, right? Mackenzie uh, via WNFC on YouTube and talking nutrition oh. and things like that. Man, that look! I'm not gonna lie. I was I have never been so nervous in my life. <laughs> I was just like, "Wow, this is amazing!" And when I when I initially got word that they were doing these pro chats, I'm like, "Who could they possibly pair me up with?" Like, especially because they, you know, the WNFC, you know, is always putting out content. So I'm like, "Who on earth could they possibly, you know, get to do this?" And then when I saw Megan do Hamilton, I'm like. I know that name, and I couldn't for the, for about two weeks. I could not Olympian. figure out why I knew that name. Yeah, well, and even before that, I was like, I remember watching her beat the crap out of the U.S. Pairs team with her and her partner Eric Radford, and I was so I was salty, but I was so excited at the same time. I'm like, oh my god, this is a thing. But yeah, um, you know, just like you said, Oscar, the the interview itself can be found on. Uh, WNFC TV or, you know, via YouTube. I posted on um, on my personal page. I've also posted it in my in my fans page. Um, I mean, it's it's out there. The content is out there. It's about an hour long. So if you have an hour, you know, to kill, or you you know, you're looking for something to to watch or look at, give a watch to the interview. I've had so much I've had so much feedback on this interview. It's it's amazing. And I think the best part about the interview, the, my initial interview with her. Um, she showed me her Olympic medals, and I my wow. mind just blew. I was just like, yeah, I my my Epic. mind blew off there. It's it's good it's good stuff. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Ah! Well, check it out, y'all. Awesome. It's out there. Okay, we gotta mention WNFC names Christina Tina Tella Badass as head of networking. So uh, shout out to uh, Christina, and I met her at Vegas. Very awesome athlete. Christina T- uh, Tina Tella will be heading the head of ne- networking for WNFC. All right, guys, great show today. NFL offseason notes. We went through X League, WFLA news, everything you can tell. We got the uh, thanks for itself, Tapia, for coming in. So check it out, 321. We'll come back next week for Nate Ward, Mackenzie Brooks, Oscar Lopez saying here, stay tuned for next week and do the replay. And thanks for sharing. And don't forget to subscribe on our heart, Apple, and Spotify. Have a great night, everybody.